Welcome to Profit and Prosper, a podcast that will empower you to become financially independent as an entrepreneur. I'm your host, Sarah Young, an entrepreneur, wealth coach, and mentor to driven, ambitious female business owners who are ready to take action towards having a richer and more impactful life. I'm here to push you to think bigger about what's possible for your business and life, and I believe that your business is the best way to have more time and financial freedom. Just 10 years ago, I was $55,000 in debt and leaving a traumatic marriage as a 20-something. Fast forward to today, I now run a seven-figure agency with a team of 10 and growing and have built over a million dollars in net worth while balancing taking care of my health and prioritizing being a wife and mom. In this podcast, I will teach you how to scale your business, take home a six-figure paycheck, and save and invest for your financial future without having to sacrifice your life today. What is up? Welcome to episode 101 of the Profit and Prosper podcast. And in this week, what I want to talk about is how we can design client systems that run without you so that you as the business owner are no longer the bottleneck so that you are no longer the primary point of contact for providing all the deliverables to your clients And all of that can enable you to work fewer hours, to grow your business faster. So let's jump into that in this episode. One of the top objections that I get from people when they're talking about growing their businesses or scaling their businesses is they say, I can't take on any more work. I don't know how to get my team involved in doing the work. I don't trust them. My clients are used to working with me and all sorts of reasons for why their team is not going to be able to take on more work. And also the business owner cannot take on more work. But they also tell me at the same time, yes, I want to make more money. Yes, I want to get out of the day to day. And this is where I think people get really frustrated and will think that, oh, I have to create a digital course now because that's a way to scale that doesn't require any more of my one-on-one time. And yes, that can be great. Courses can be great. But I'll tell you from my own personal experience and from seeing a lot of other successful women, seven-figure businesses, that's not the easiest or fastest way to to grow your business. I don't want to go on my soapbox about courses. Obviously, I have courses. Like, courses are great. But that's not what got me to multi-six figures, buying another business now at our current run rate of seven figures. Like, that's just not what got me there. And so there's a time and place for courses and these other, like, scalable offer structures, but it's not going to be necessarily the way to grow or scale your business. Okay. So how can we design client systems that enable you to bring on your next 10 clients, 20 clients, even a hundred clients without stress? So in this episode, I'm going to go through four things that you need to design client systems that your team can run without you. Thing number one that you need is standardized offers. We talked about this in the episode a couple weeks ago, episode number 99. We talked about why creating standardized offers that serve a particular type of client that provide a particular result is easier to scale. So go back and check that one out if you did not listen to it already. But number one is you need standardized offers, okay? Because if you have, I said this in that episode, but I'll repeat it here again, because I think it's important to understand that if you have to do different things for every client, 
if you have a different set of deliverables, if the timeline changes, then it's going to be hard for you and your team to deliver consistent, high quality results to your clients that you're promising. Okay. So we need to make sure that you have those standardized offers in place. And so what do I mean when I say standardized offers? We want to have clear deliverables that for every client who buys this offer, they get a set deliverable, right? Whatever that deliverable may be, every client who gets this offer gets this deliverable and they get it on this timeline. So it could be, you know, I deliver for this offer. I'm going to design a logo and a website um, within a month or two months, however long that is, right? Or it could be, I'm going to provide monthly accounting services on a monthly basis. I just said monthly twice, but you get the picture. I'm going to provide these accounting services, including, you know, coding the transactions and doing reconciliations and doing reporting on a monthly basis, you know, by this day, every month for these particular types of clients. Whatever it is, standardize your offers because that enables you to design the workflow around the deliverables and the timelines that is easier to execute on. Okay, so that's number one. The next thing that we need to focus on is your onboarding process. Your onboarding process is probably one of the most important things that you have in your whole client delivery process. Not that it's more important than actually getting results, but the onboarding process is going to really heavily factor into how happy your clients are because it's their first experience with you and your team and how you run things. And they may have a certain set of expectations about the ease and the timeliness and clarity of communications. And they're going to form an opinion about you and your team, about how smooth you run and how good you're going to be from that onboarding process. And I bet if you were to think about, okay, what if you had to onboard 100 clients next month? And maybe that's a lot. Maybe for you, maybe 100 clients isn't that bad. For me, 100 clients would be a lot. But if I had to onboard 100 clients in the next month, if my sales, let's say you go viral or you get on a huge podcast and a ton of people reach out, you know, part of you might say, oh, well, maybe I don't want to take those clients on. I'll put them on a wait list and that's fine. But I've always sort of taken the approach of like, can we grow the business that way? Can we take them on? Like with our tax services at Young & Co., we're in a time of year where a lot of people turn clients away because they're already at capacity. And my take has always been, hey, if the demand is there, I will go find the resources that we need to get the work done. Okay. So let's imagine that you have 100 clients show up at your door next month. What would happen, right? Like, what would you do? I bet one of the major stressors for you is going to be in your onboarding process. Thinking about the idea of getting all 100 of those clients onboarded into your systems to get the information that you need from them in a timely fashion. I bet that's going to be a stressor. The next stressor is probably going to be actually doing the work, but right, we can usually hire that. Um, If you have a need for people, like you could probably go find some help. Hopefully you could. Um, But the onboarding process like can be tough. So we need to streamline the onboarding process. This is an area where I actually was the one who would initiate onboarding for most of our new clients at Young & Co. until a few months ago because 
a few months ago, after we acquired the other firm, we decided to start offering some, um, you know, value tier services like tax prep services and some like bookkeeping types type services and that we didn't do before, at least not for a while. And we just started onboarding more people. And then I became the bottleneck for that. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm obviously going to need to train another team member to help me do the onboarding. And in that process of training the other team member to do the onboarding, I became very aware very quickly of how not smooth the onboarding process was, right? So maybe if you're listening and your client who we've onboarded in the last few months, maybe you saw it, maybe you noticed it, maybe you didn't, maybe I noticed it because I'm the one who is, you know, the CEO of the business. Either way, though, it just really came to my attention like, okay, we've got to put some effort into streamlining this even more so that other people who aren't me can do the onboarding process smoothly. Okay. And so to create a smooth onboarding process, you can kind of do this maybe the next time you onboard a client, but you have to ask yourself to be successful with this engagement, with this service that we have, what are the things that I need from them up front? What do I need them to give me? And when do I need them? Are there things that you have to give to them? Can you templatize? Can you automate emails going out? Can you send them forms to gather the information and make it standardized? Can you give them access to a client portal? Even if the client portal is like a Google Drive folder or a Dropbox that just houses everything in one streamlined place, can you put a folder template together and house everything there and share that with them, right? Or maybe you decide, hey, I need to upgrade to a Dubsado or HoneyBook or whatever these systems are that can help you automate and create a client portal. But the point with your onboarding is, like I said, since it's one of the first things that they're going to experience with you after the you know sales process, you want to make sure that you make them happy, that you make them feel confident that they made the right purchasing decision. See if you can give them a quick win, right? Can you make the process feel smooth on their side so that they're happy that they're there? Because I'm going to tell you, we've had clients who we messed up the onboarding process for. And again, it just happens, right? Like it just happens and I'm not going to like give us a hard time about it, but we're also going to fix it. We've had clients though, where we've messed up the onboarding process. We didn't get something from them. We forgot to ask for something. We forgot to do something and it took more work to recover that client and get them back to the point where they're as happy and satisfied as their other clients are because of that, because first impressions really matter. Okay. So number two, you need a smooth onboarding process. The third thing I think you need to have client systems that can run without you is clarity in communication. And so a lot of times, you know, for me, my email and Slack can be one of the first thing that things that just blow up in my face when things get busy and it becomes really hard to maintain. And then I get so bombarded with questions and emails that it makes it hard for me to do my actual job. Not that the client communication isn't my job, but like for me to do the brain work that I need to do. Right. And so you need to have much like you need standardized offers. We need standardized communication. And so that means deciding how do you want clients to communicate with you and what are the types of things that they should be communicating with you? Do you want them to email you? Slack, Voxer. Choose one, maybe two methods of communication 
Most of our clients at Young & Co. use email. For our CFO clients, we do offer Slack on top of that as a faster way to communicate. But other than that, it's pretty much email. And then we'll have our meetings. But we're clear on, hey, here's our communication. Here's the contact info for your team. Here's how we want you to give us documents. Here's how we want you to ask us questions so on and so forth. But you have to set boundaries. This can be a tough area for people to set boundaries if you've never done it before, because you might be thinking, oh, if I don't make myself available to them at all hours of the day, they're going to get mad if I don't respond quickly, et cetera, et cetera. And that is not the case, right? I'm not going to go into all the mindset stuff in this episode, but standardizing the communication channels and then clearly communicating that to your clients. Also kind of going along with that, being clear on meetings. Who were they meeting with? When? How can they schedule them? Can you set up a Calendly or something similar that makes it easy for them to schedule? And then the other thing is being clear on next steps. Always telling them, hey, in onboarding, something that we've added is reaching out. You know, let's say somebody signs a proposal, but we're not starting for a few more weeks. Typically, the first couple weeks of the work that we do is very behind the scenes. And so we've had clients who, if we didn't communicate to them, hey, we're working, FYI, we're going to reach out, you know, next week to schedule a meeting to go over questions, you know, they'll reach out and be like, hey, are you working? Are you doing anything? Are you good? Like, just want to make sure. And so we've realized we need to be clear about here's when you can expect to hear from us next. Here's what we're doing. You know, here's when you're going to get deliverables. Here's next steps so that they know especially if you have a higher ticket service, like making sure that they feel clear and supported every step of the way will go a long way toward reducing the bumps, reducing the questions that they have, the number of times that they have to reach out. So that's number three. And the fourth thing that we need to design client systems that run without you is one of the most crucial parts, and that is team training. It's one of the most crucial parts, and it's almost always everybody's least favorite We want to have the team to do the work, but we don't want to put the time and energy into training, which I totally understand because it can absolutely take a long time. But once you do it, once you have a team that's trained, and once you have the steps and the systems processes documented so that if a team member leaves, you can put somebody else in and their training process is even easier next time, you're going to save yourself so much time. Okay. So training is one of those things that I think if you're going to scale up your business, if you're going to grow, or even if you just want to be able to pull back the amount of time that you work, we have got to spend the time on making sure that you're training. So I see a lot of people who will hire team members and then end up not delegating to them because every time in the moment you're like, oh, it'll just take me two minutes to do this thing. So I'm not going to teach it to them because it'll take me double that to train them on how to do it. I could just knock it out. Except you're not thinking about, okay, maybe you spend five minutes training them now versus the two minutes it would take you to do the thing, five minutes training them, and then another five minutes later reviewing and providing feedback, right? Maybe doing it again. So investing 15 minutes into training for something that only takes you two minutes to do, except what you're not realizing is that now that saves you every single time that thing needs to happen. It saves you not just the time, but also the brain space, right? And so, you know, over the long run, if you can outsource it at least 20 times, that saves you 40 minutes compared to the 15 that you put into training. So we have to allocate time on your calendar to make sure, first and foremost, that you are documenting the steps of how you do the thing that you're doing. 
and also the quality standards, right? A lot of times, if you can, like giving examples or giving a checklist of here's all the things that need to be included, here's all the things that need to be considered, does it meet this quality expectation or no? Like documenting what those expectations are and the steps so that you can get them out of your brain. Because if they live in your brain, your team is not able to read minds, right? And so if everything is in your brain, then your team is not ever going to know that that's what you want them to do. What I like to do a lot of times is I've actually talked about this. I think it was in like November. I did a whole series on hiring your dream team. And I talked about like getting them like onboarded and trained And so you can go check that episode out. And even thinking about writing the job description, right, of like just throughout your day, as you're thinking about hiring, having like a sticky note on your desktop that's like, you know, every time you come across a task that you want this role to do, you write it down. But then also every task that you write down needs to become an SOP, right? And so what I'll do is as I'm doing that, the next time I do it, I will record a loom of myself doing the thing and then save it in a Google Doc or in my like SOP tracker. Okay. So you have to take the time to do that. And it sucks. I hate SOPs, like probably more than most of you listening. Like I hate them, but I have realized that your team is just not going to be successful unless you have them documenting the steps and your standards. All right. And then as a follow-up, taking the time to actually delegate and give them the feedback on doing the tasks. Like I said, yes, it'll take double or triple the time in the short term, but it is going to pay off in the long run. All right, y'all. So that is my download, my four-step download on how you can design client systems that run without you. So if you realize that this is something that you are bottlenecking or that your team is struggling with, or that is preventing you from growing, then start at the top and work your way down. So creating standardized offers, upgrading your onboarding process to make sure it's smooth, automating it where you can, which I know I didn't talk about too much, but it is something that in a lot of cases you can automate a good portion of the onboarding process, creating boundaries and communicating expectations to your clients about how they're going to communicate with you and how they're going to schedule meetings and timelines for things. And then of course, fourth and the fourth and final piece is taking the time to document the system so that you can train your team, actually following through and choosing to delegate to them. As a quick reminder, if growth and scaling is on your mind, if you are ready to make more money in your business while working less hours and feeling less stressed and overwhelmed, then go and apply for Scaling Made Simple which is my small group hands-on program for service providers that will teach you how to scale your business and be able to pay yourself that six-figure paycheck while working 30 hours or less in your business each week. So go check that out and apply at sarahhyoung.com forward slash scale. And I will see you all back here next week to continue the conversation about businesses that are sustainable and scalable and that make you a lot of money. All right. So I'll see you back then. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Listening and learning is great, but implementing what you learned is even better. So what's one thing you can do this week to make more money in your business, save for your financial future and start living your most prosperous life. 
If you found this episode helpful, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and share with a friend because it helps me reach more amazing female entrepreneurs like yourself. See you in next week's episode.